You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. In the beginning of the pandemic, uh, when we were not gathering and not gathering in person for our small groups or our weekly Sunday gathering, I can remember after about four Sundays in, Jacob looked at me and he said, Now you know, 30 days is all it takes to establish a new habit. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what does like two years almost uh, doing to our doing to our rhythm? So if you feel like a little bit like, what is this and what are we doing here? Well, we are reestablishing uh, some some lost habits and, and, and rhythms, and so we're uh, getting uh, getting them back again. Anybody say amen? Amen. amen. There, yeah, it's, it's so great to just have uh, faces and interactions. So unlike this TV screen, if you react to me, I'll react to you. Uh, if I tell a joke and you laugh, I'll hear it. So anyway, um, rather than because we have our kids in, we wanted to emphasize worship a little bit more, having a few more worship songs. I've got a, I don't know what we call it, a short word, a sermonette, a exhortation, just something uh, something that's been on, on my heart, and, and I think it's uh, for our church. And so I've just called this, what I'm uh, about to share with you right now, called Moving Forward. Um, I was watching, as many of you might have been, you know, the news reports that are coming out of the Ukraine and seeing the devastations, and the other day I was just thinking... This is the opposite of the coming of God, of the coming of the kingdom of God. You know, where the kingdom of God shows up, uh, there's righteousness and peace and joy. And Jesus came to establish his kingdom and expand it and announce it. And when he, when he triumphed uh, over not just death and sin and the cross, but everything, and he said, you know, behold, the kingdom of God is near and we're supposed to advance. And it got me really thinking, you know, what can we do as Every Nation GTA to advance more of the kingdom? What are some of the things that we can do to bring more righteousness, more peace? And, of course, there's probably a long list if you were to look, look in the Bible. Um, but I just want to share two things with you today, okay? And, and this isn't an exhausted list, but there's something that's really been put on my heart. So this is what I believe God is calling us to at this moment. Number one, uh, deeper relationships, deeper relationships. And number two, practical ministry. And I just want to talk a little bit about each one of those uh, briefly. So what do I mean by deeper relationships? So first of all, the, the rhythms of even meeting together have been disrupted. So one of the things I think that you have to start if you want to build a relationship, I mean, think of a young man and a young woman, if they want to you know, get to know one another and maybe date or, you know, whatever. I mean, what do they have to do? They have to spend some time together. And so one of the, uh, keeping your marriage going, you have to have some time together. And so the first thing I would just say is that if we want to go deeper in relationships with, I believe that there's a lot of scriptural um, uh, direction for us to do that. Uh, it requires, first of all, more consistency. I'm realizing that in, uh, in my life is that now that there, there's less restrictions, I have to actually figure out, okay, I've got I to gotta be more consistent. I've got to reach out a little bit more and connect with people uh, once again. Secondly, more intimacy. What do I mean by that about going deeper? 
Um, we've just come off a mental health and emotional health series. And one of the things that we were learning on this subject of my story is that it's going to take someone else to help us unpack our story. We looked at, uh, you know, the false story, the false narrative or the untrue narrative that drives the negative part of even our personality and who we are. And we have to become more aware of that, but we can't do it alone. We have to have a trusted person to reflect back to us. And I'm all for reading the Bible and praying to God and all of that, but Christianity is never meant to be a private religion, you know, just me and God and my Bible. So there's, it's going to take, first of all, courage on two fronts. One is to open up our hearts uh, to others, right? It's going to, it's going to say, hey, you know, uh, speak into my life, you know, how, how on not my best days, but how on my worst days or my average days, how do I come across to you? How do you experience me? Do you experience me aloof? Do you experience me too abrupt? Do you experience me? What is it? Like when things, of winds do I run? Like, what, tell me about myself because I don't know. So it's going to take courage. How many of you have ever looked at a friend or even a spouse and said, Talk to me about me. How? Like, not the best parts. You can say a couple nice things, but tell me, tell me about the things that maybe, and I'm not talking about just things that annoy you, or you always, you know, tap your foot at the dinner table. You know, that's bad, but that's probably not your greatest childhood trauma or something that caused that. But something, something along a deeper line. So it's going to take courage to go deeper in relationships. So it's going to take more consistency, we have to be with one another, then we have to have courage to open our, our hearts. And here's the other half of the of the thing that will build more intimacy. And that is you have to risk speaking into someone else's life too. You know, in Canada, that's not the culture. The culture is just be nice. You know, but that's not the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom to build is opening up our hearts courageously but also courageously taking those steps to speak into another person's life where you tell them how they, uh, how you experience them and sometimes their worst times because think of it, do we really want to go through life with all the worst parts of us still out there streaking for everybody to see but us? Because that's what our life can be. And God's called us to have holistic discipleship that covers all dimensions of our life. And so it's going to take, when I talk about deeper relationships, I'm talking about more intimacy, courage to open our upper hearts, and courage to step out and challenge one another. Uh, thirdly, more long-term. We're now in a global society where people move a lot. I get that. And, and there's a good thing to moving, and there's a negative thing to moving, and especially if you move a lot. I would say, if you move a lot, especially when your kids are kind of growing up, you can, I'll just lay it out there, I'm a pastor, you can mess them up. Um, so we want to build more long-term and think of your relationship. This came out of actually the fast where uh, when we were, at the beginning of the year, we do a week of prayer and fasting, and then we had a, a prayer meeting, and we asked people, you know, what did you feel God was speaking to you over this, you know, five days of prayer and fasting? 
And it was, it was a very clear theme about deeper relationships, but one angle of the deeper relationship was what about lifelong relationships? Who are you going to grow old with? Now you guys are, most of you are young and you don't think like that. Um, and I'm not saying that God can't call you to another place. He's called us many times to move and it hasn't been, it's been heart-wrenching to do that and, to, and sacrificial to do that. I think the norm is really to build with people for the long haul so that you can actually have a chance of going deeper over the years and have those connections. Um, the type of long-term relationships, um, this was a story of our family that um, one of our sons brought out, and that was we had friends in Calgary when we, we were living there. And after nine years, God transitioned us. We planted the church and turned it over and moved down to Nashville, Tennessee. And our closest friends, Wayne and Lynn, one year later decided that they would wrap up their business, quit their jobs, and move to Nashville to be with us because we felt, and they felt, that this was a special relationship that needed to be guarded even at that kind of cost. Now that might be way out there, and that's okay, we're not expecting that, but I, I wanted to share just, you know, how committed, like relationships are important because sometimes, you know, a job that makes, you know, 5% more in another city where you don't know anybody and, and, and off you go. You know, that might not be the Lord. I can remember someone in our congregation who had that opportunity to move to, I think, St. Louis. And I'm so proud of this, one of our leaders in our church, because he's thinking, okay, dude, I don't know anybody there yet. Yeah, I'd be an advancement with my company. It'd be more money. But at what cost? You know, do I want to go to another city and start over? New church, new friends, new everything. And the wisdom of that, after he prayed it through, and I, you know, as the pastors, we talked to him about making sure that you think about those things and pray about those things. And he decided to turn down, turn it down. You know, what's amazing is he's not even with that company anymore. <laughs> and he's on to a new job in a bedroom. So, um, more long-term. Uh, and another part of this deeper relationship is I think that, is that you can go into like a smaller, more intimate group. And, and so I don't want you to be confused here that I'm talking about you should get up this mic in front of the whole church and, and tell your deepest struggle and someone else should come up and challenge you publicly. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about building in such a way that you have someone that you like, just one or two people that you deeply trust with anything in your life. Anything. And being able to have that is... I think something that amplifies the kingdom of God. And the result of all of this will be leading to stronger bonds of affection and not feeling alone. I was reflecting on this before this message. I was thinking how many times um, I've heard and I've felt this, this idea of loneliness or being alone. And as I was praying about it, thinking about it, I felt like I... I felt like I began to see something, just reflecting back over the last couple of years, and I wrote it down. I said, I think part of our feelings of loneliness and being alone were there before the pandemic. We just had enough activity and superficial relationships to mask it. Let me read that over. Just I want, I want to throw that out to you and just see what you think about that. I think part of our feelings of loneliness and being alone were there before the pandemic. We just had enough activity and, and superficial relationships to mask it. 
what the pandemic did is revealed it. So I think that this is a great opportunity as we not just reset but relaunch to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, we are going to go after deeper relationships. And to wrap it up, this is what Jesus said about it in the message version translation. It says, and you've heard it if you've been around church even five minutes. <laughs> Let me give you a new commandment. Love one another in the same way I've loved you. You love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples. When they see the love you have for each other. When you, they see the love that speaks the truth, the love that opens up hearts, the, 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 the love that causes people to truly bond, to truly have deep friendship. Uh, with one another. Okay, point number two. Like I said, this is going to be a shorter message. What do we mean by this practical, uh, practical ministry? How it came about? The first idea was towards the end of last year. You know, we once a month we raise money for missions. In addition to the tithes and offerings that go to our church uh, general operating budget, then we also take up an offering that we give 100% of that away to missions and benevolence and, and, and good works. And at the end of the year, we were figuring out how much was left, and we were working on sending out the final either checks or transfers or all online. And I started thinking, you know, we ought to go with this money. We ought to go with this money. You know, now, some of the things, if they're a long ways away, we can't go with this money. But what about, you know, Adam House, the home that we help support uh, for refugees in Toronto. And there are some people in our congregation that do already go and have encouraged, you know, but, but it's a handful. What if part of our acts of service were not just serving in the church, but serving outside of the church? And practical ministry of actually um, doing acts of kindness, helping alleviate poverty and suffering. You know, most of us in this church, because we, in our movement, we launch off a university campus, most of our people have been blessed with a good education, which more often than not leads to good jobs. And, but not all of our society is like that. When you walk up and down Young Street or in your neighborhood, wherever you happen to live, you'll see that not everybody uh, and not everybody had that background. Not everybody had that opportunity. And it's left them, you know, in pretty bad shape. Um, and we're called to do so. What, do some. So what do I mean by practical ministry? It's real simple, actually. Demonstrating the kingdom by good works. Uh, to be a missional church means that we both announce and demonstrate the kingdom of God. So when we preach from the Bible, what are we doing? We're, we're announcing the kingdom of God. When we roll up our sleeves and do practical ministry, we're demonstrating the kingdom of God. And both are necessary. Here's some. Here's uh, what Jesus said about this. You are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be broken. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. Now, I grew up in church, and we used to sing this little song called This Little Light of Mine. If you grew up in Sunday school in my era or maybe somewhere around, 
you know, I won't say the eras, but whatever. You might have heard the song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to sh- let it shine, I'm going to let it shine all around the neighborhood. I had no idea, you know, what really it meant. But here's what it meant. If we go back to the scripture, what was Jesus saying about this, this lighting and, and, and putting this light up? He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may what? See your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's what Jesus said. Here's what uh, it says in 1 Peter 2. Keep your conduct among, among the Gentiles. That's in those days the people who didn't know God. It means apart from God. Keep it honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That even when the church is criticized, how many know that the church has been criticized for some of the really bad things that they did? I mean, we, we've looked at the residential school system. Um, you know, my heritage is Métis, which means I'm mixed between the French and the First Nations. And that First Nation side of my very life was completely hidden because if you, if, if you brought it out, the, you know, my mom was kicked out of nursing school because when they found out that she had darker skin, they said it was something to do with her veins, but everybody knows it. She had seven kids and continued to work. There was nothing wrong with her veins. But there's just all kinds of things that were kind of those negative things. How can we, and, and, and I don't know if you've ever felt that, say, well, how can we overcome a Christian church that they've done good things, but then they've also done some things that we're ashamed of? Am I the only one who feels that way? (laughs) Well, how do we overcome that? Here it is. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good works and glorify God. That's the antidote, is let's do it right. Let's instead of oppress in the name of the church, let's serve in the name of Jesus. Let's do practical ministry. Um... One of my children, we were talking about uh, what you know their thoughts were at the end of the fast, and he came to me and said, you know, Dad, when you said practical ministry, I felt something very similar to that. Maybe not those words, but he was noticing that more and more people you know, are on the streets, and there just seems to be more destitute people, more people that need help. And that's just one area where the kingdom of God needs to come. I, I'm just... Just so you know, there's many areas, and who knows where God's going to lead us in, in as we move forward in this. But, you know, he, he pointed me to scripture and he said, Dad, why isn't this emphasized more in the church? And uh, he said, and then he started, this is the problem with raising kids in the church who know a bit of the Bible. <laughs> they kind of say, hey, Dad, what about this part of the Bible? Um, I want to read this part of the Bible. He was, he was talking about, he said, you know, what about, didn't Jesus say that he's actually going to, at the final judgment, like look at people and not say, did you say the sinner's prayer? But what did you do to serve? How did you demonstrate the kingdom of God with your life? Or were you just a talker? And so I went and looked up the scripture. It's Matthew 25, 31. Um, through 46, I'm just going to... Uh, read it to you. I'm not going to have it all on the screen, but it's right here in the Bible. And then let me say this. This is some of Jesus' strongest words. Uh, We do the words of Jesus, but we've never done this with the words of Jesus in the middle of worship. But let me read you. It's called 
This little set, segment's called The Final Judgment. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered the nations, and he will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you have been blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, uh, when did you see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, or give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and come and visit you? The king will answer them, truly, truly, I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. I won't read the second part, the second part of it. Oh, maybe I will. Uh, it's only another minute. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you curse it into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and he gave me no food. I was thirsty, and he gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and he did not welcome me. Naked, and he did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and he did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, truly, truly, I say to you, as you did not go do it to the one of the least of these. You did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment with the righteous into eternal life. Whoa. So, if we ever needed kind of something to be underscored, how important it is to have a balance in our lives between speaking the kingdom and demonstrating the kingdom, I don't think we can have more potent words than straight from the Son of God, Jesus Christ, uh, right there. So, what is practical ministry? Practical ministry means that we're going to seek out more ways to serve the poor and those who need our help. So we're looking for ways. As we relaunch, we want to relaunch as a church, not just with deeper relationships, because I think that it's going to take deeper relationships to do all that God um, intends for us to launch out into and to, uh, you know, move forward in all the difficulties of the pandemic and where it's left us, we're going to need a lot of encouragement, right? A lot of us, uh, you know, our mental health or emotional health has suffered, truly. So, um, but we're also going to say, you know, how can we, as we relaunch, put a greater emphasis on actually meeting practical needs and demonstrating uh, the kingdom of God? So, we haven't figured this all out, so I'm not saying I don't want anyone to feel like, wow, like what, where does that minister? We'll do this together. We'll figure it out. But I've asked our leaders who are already involved in practical ministry to have a free-for-all recruiting in this church. To say free-for-all recruiting. If you want to recruit more people, and I'll back you, we'll back you. And, and wouldn't this be exciting? I mean, honestly, to be able to serve. Maybe who knows how many Ukrainian refugees are going to end up here. How many people would like to help them? How many people would love to help them? Maybe, you know, whatever it is, we can get involved. We're going to find out, you know, where we can, where we can serve, where we can perhaps 
you know, get whatever they need because they're, they're probably going to land it all over the world. And so that's just one practical way. Um, and here's the great thing about this part. Some of you, you might not be the greatest evangelist. You might not be the greatest. You might not even be good at like articulating what the gospel is. You know what? The beauty of this part of it is that it's 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 just basic. You know, it's the cup of cold water. It's just reaching out and helping, and and we'll join with uh, others who are doing this. But I love this quote by Tim Keller. We always quote Tim Keller because he's done such a wonderful job of kingdom advancement in New York City. But this is what he said. All Christians have opportunities to serve those who might never come to a church or listen to a sermon. Isn't that good? All Christians have opportunity to serve those who might never come to a church or listen to a sermon. So, last thing I want to talk about, and I hope that you didn't find this message too weighty, <laughs> but it is a little bit challenging, isn't it? Both going to be in relationships and practical ministry, but I, I just feel like there could be just such an excitement about it in our church. I think it could re-energize our church, to be honest, um, these things. So, last thing I want to talk about is this a little bit of things that we're praying about and thinking about as far as our structure as a church moving forward. And I've, I've shared, we've shared this um, graphic with our uh, with our leaders, and I want to share it with you. It's it's not a plan. It's just a it's just a it's called communities of belonging. And uh, it talks about what different sized groups are good at and can do. So you see that the first one is intimate space. That's that two to four people. And the thing that can happen in intimate space is vulnerability. That's where you can get real with anything. Personal space, five to 12, that's for accountability. What would you say first person gets, I don't know what they get, a bottle of water. What do you think in our church fits the bill for this space? Did I hear you? Small groups, yes. And so we're going to continue small groups, aren't we? Um, social space, that's, it takes sometimes a few more people for availability and to do bigger projects. You know, when we put on those, you know, huge events or picnics and things like that, that takes a bigger group and possibly, and we'll get into that. And then finally, public space, 70 and more, that's what we're doing here. Now, We've been strong in personal space and public space, but I think that we're going to be moving forward with more intimate space and social space. And so that's just something in our structure for you guys to put in your back of your mind, how we're thinking and would, would enjoy uh, kind of your input on that. So last thing I wanted to say um, is just some of you might be asking, because this is more of a talk than a sermon, so I'm kind of changing gears right now, but sort of like, you know, how what is our structure uh, for the next little bit? So here's what we came up with for, the, for March, April, May, and June, okay? And we've already uh, worked on the bookings of this. So for the month of March, we're here in the pop-up service. The next three Sundays, we're going to go back in the home worship, and then basically, we're going to do the same thing for March, April, May, and hold the last one. Oh, well. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and I just want to bring an encouragement to the in-home worship piece. Um, because we were live streaming, the only time Sheila and I could be involved in those is if we pre-record and then we would go up to someone's home and then in the in-home worship. 
But can I tell you how much we've enjoyed that? I mean, uh, I was in the Ghana's home, and uh, it was my turn to preach. It was pre-recorded, and we sang the songs, we said the prayers together, and I think Mike and Mary Sal were over, and I can't remember who, if anyone else was there. And, and then it came to the sermon, and I was the one sermon. I was the one preaching. And so, you know, amen, and that's a good word. Um, so I think it was Suzette said to me, you know, is it, is it weird? Like, you're, you're in home service, but you're the one preaching, and you're sitting there in the sermon. And I said, Sister, since this pandemic, nothing seems weird anymore. <laughs> so, I know that there's a bit of awkwardness as you start to do things that might be new, and that might be different, but I think God has some new and different things for us. And so, plus we're also looking, I was asked, you know, what about in a, uh, the, the downtown venue, would that be available for us? At this time, it's still not available, but we're going to keep in touch uh, with that. So here's the, the last. So I want to encourage everybody to keep going with the in-home worship. Um, if you've never been to one, go to one. If, or maybe you might want to host one. They don't have to be big, but if they grow big, I mean, we've had, I think our maximum in-home worship uh, we've had is, I think, 18 people at uh the archoids. Um, so we can keep going with that. I hope that you can. It, it's an opportunity for us to, you know, eat together and all of that, even more than just our coffee and Filipino buns. Not that we don't miss those too. So um, you can serve them at your in-home worship. Um, so then, this is very tentative, and it's more of an idea that I just threw out at staff meeting last week. But maybe for uh, kicking off July. Maybe we do find a park somewhere that allows us to have a sound system, maybe a gazebo and things, and that we blow it out and we do like worship, we do food, maybe Jacob can do a concert and we can attract a crowd of 500, I don't know. So just something, something that we're just throwing out there that's tentative at this point. So there's a lot of things that haven't been totally figured out yet. I hope that you understand whether it's, you know, a lot of companies and things, exactly what's going to happen. We have to still trust God every step of the way. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, just, first of all, I give you honor and praise for keeping us and with just how crazy it's been. Here we are still a people. Here we are still worshiping God. Here we are still meeting in small groups. Here we are. And we just give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And God, even as, uh, you know, this challenge of going deeper in relationship and also um, practical ministry, we know that by your empowering and grace and presence with us that we can move forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.